nearby villages. You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong, and welcome to a brand new week of Money Talk on Radio 3. This is Peter Lewis with the morning's business and finance headlines. The United States created more jobs than expected in November, and wages grew at a faster clip as the labor markets remained tight. Monthly job gains rose to 263,000 from the prior 261,000, despite expectations for a slowdown to 200,000. The unemployment rate was unchanged at 3.7%. Wage gains came in much stronger than expected and matched the highest level of the year. Shanghai will scrap PCR testing requirements to enter outdoor public venues such as parks, as well as to ride public transport. Effective today, city authorities said yesterday, and Huangzhou, home to Alibaba Group, also announced on Sunday it will drop testing requirements for entry into most public venues, as well as for taking public transport. On Saturday, Shenzhen relaxed COVID-19 measures in the city. The EU has agreed among its member states to cap the price of Russian oil at $60 a barrel. The proposal needs to be approved by all 27 EU member states and then the group of seven nations before the price cap can go into effect as planned later today. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and John Schofield, Managing Director at Tempest Investment. With a view from mainland China, is Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Sher. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street, stocks were slightly weaker following the better-than-expected non-farms payroll reports as indices paired earlier losses. The S&P 500 dipped 0.1% to 4,071, rebounding from an earlier loss of 1.2%. For the week, it was up 1.1%. And the Dow closed with gains of 35 points, or 0.1% to 34,430, after hitting a session low of more than 350 points down. It rose 0.2% over the five sessions. The Nasdaq Composite also made up lost ground, recovering from losses of 1.6% earlier in the day, to end 0.2% lower at 11,462, for a weekly gain of 2.1%. In Europe... The Stock 600 index rose 0.6% over the week. The UK's FTSE 100 rose 0.9% on the week. Hong Kong stocks ended a strong week slightly lower on hopes that the Chinese economy was on the verge of reopening after three years of a strict COVID policy. The Hang Seng index eased 61 points, or a third of a percent, to 18,675. For the week, it gained 6.3%. The tech index rose 1% Friday, and 10.8% over the week. And on the mainland, the Shanghai Composite fell a third of a percent to 3,156, leaving it with a weekly gain of 1.8%. Commodities benefited from the weaker dollar. Brent crude oil climbed 2% last week, settling at $85.57 a barrel. OPEC Plus said over the weekend it will keep its oil production unchanged and the European Union is poised to ban all imports of Russian seaborne crude from today. 
Copper jumped almost 7% higher over the five days. And gold rose 2.4% over the same period to $1,799 an ounce. That's its highest level since August. Bonds were bid on the week with a 10-year yield down 20 basis points over the five trading days to 3.49%. And the US dollar index fell for the sixth week out of the last seven, dropping 1.5% over the week, led lower by a resurgence yen. The Japanese yen soared 3.5% last week after New Bank of Japan board member Tomura said the BOJ should conduct a review of its monetary policy framework. Right now it's at 134.5%. The euro made solid gains, rising to $1.05.5 and sterling ended Friday at the top end of its weekly range. One British pound buys $1.23 at 9 Hong Kong dollars and 57 cents. Offshore Chinese yuan was strong all, all week on hopes of a relaxation of the strict COVID restrictions and the economy reopening and starts the new week at 7.01 against the dollar. And Bitcoin, that rose 3.5% last week to just above $17,100. Looking around Asia-Pacific stock markets at the start of a brand new week, the ASX 200 in Australia up a quarter of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is down 0.1%. The Cosby in South Korea has opened unchanged. Does look like though another strong gain for the Hang Seng. Uh, futures markets pointing to the index rising 525 points at the open later on this morning. Times 808 and a half. Let's welcome our Monday morning guests over in our Queensway studio this morning. We have with us Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Morning, Alex. Hey, morning, Peter. And also with us, John Schofield, Managing Director at Tempest Investment. Morning to you, John. Yes, hello. Morning, Peter. Um, let's start with that jobs report out of the US. Strong, uh, more jobs created than expected. The monthly gains rose to 263,000. Uh, that's up from 261,000 the previous month. Economists had been expecting a slowdown to 200,000 new jobs. The unemployment rate was unchanged at 3.7%. The labour force participation rate, that measures the number of people in the labour force that are either employed or actively searching for a job, that declined to 62.1%, suggesting a worsening slack in the US labour market. And uh, the wage, gauge, wage gains came in much stronger than expected, matched the highest level of the year. On a monthly basis, they rose 0.6%. Year on year, they rose 5.1%, well above expectations of 4.6%. Um, Alex, what do you make of this uh, jobs report? What's it telling us? Well, I think uh, it means uh, the labor market actually is, is really tight in the U.S. And uh, wage inflation actually uh, cannot be contained right now. Uh, but I think uh, uh, people are more relaxed about the um, commodity prices and other things uh, about inflation. So that's why I think the market does, uh, did not react so negatively. But I think uh, the labor market actually would remain tight for quite some time and it is much stronger than expected. How is it that um, we've got a situation where interest rates are going ever higher, the economy is slowing, um, <clears> but the, the US is creating so many new jobs? Or, or is this a temporary phenomenon and it's going to slow down soon? I think this is a mismatch. I think uh, we got laid off in the new economy side. But I think uh, the other side of the economy actually is, remains quite strong. I think that there's some mismatch. Uh, so, so mismatch. And we probably are seeing uh, employment uh, to, to turn weak in certain sectors, but not the overall uh, situation. Because right now, the 
labor labor situation is still quite tight. That's the data show. John, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, yes, I think we're seeing a. Um, uh, I mean, it's mainly the pressures, obviously, on the on the service uh, side, um, where you know manufacturing and retailing and so on is is starting to um, starting to slow down. Um, I do think the market's uh, sort of overreacting, however, to um, or has been overreacting to this slight hint that um, the Fed will slow the pace of uh, interest rate rises. Um, you know, everyone's trying to looking forward to the next uh, big bull market, and I think I think that's uh, it's far too um, premature. So we've seen. Um, we have we have seen volatility in the s and p five hundred for example come come way down, so we're starting to see a bit of uh, stability in the uh, in the equity markets but the uh, swings instead have recently been in the in the u s dollar as we've seen a, a, a in my view a great overreaction to this slight hint that um, Fed uh, is going to slow interest rate rises. It's very um, odd, isn't it? Because people are getting very excitable, thinking we're in mm. a new bull market now. Um, mm. You know, we're going to have a good run now until the end of the year. But historically, bear markets don't end before the recession mm. has actually arrived, and when the Fed is still raising mm. interest rates. So, do, do you think maybe that um, that is misplaced? Mm. Uh, yes, I do. I think um, I think we're still fighting the last war. Investors are still. Um, hooked on this, uh, you know, the swings in monetary policy. That as soon as we get a, a, a slowdown in the economy, then then the um, the Fed will be uh, printing money again and, and cutting interest rates. And I think that's totally unrealistic. Alex, how big a problem for the Fed is this rise in wages? Average hourly earnings are now increasing 5.1%. Is, is this a sign of a wages spiral and inflation becoming more entrenched that the Fed has got to worry about? Uh, I think uh, right now uh, the, the good thing is that we did see a, a very good correction in the uh, commodities market. And other thing, of course, I think the inflation actually may, 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 may have a solution because like the logistics problems. So, so I think a wage actually is a, is a concern right now. It's probably the biggest concern. But the overall situation actually is not um, too worrisome right now. Larry Summers, the uh, uh, the former Treasury Secretary, he was saying over the weekend that the Fed's going to need to boost rates more than markets um, are expecting, and his warning of a high interest rate um, recession. He says the economy could suddenly slide um, like an avalanche. What what do you think of that? Well, I think right now, yeah, there is a risk because if you look at the yield curve, actually, this is quite inverted. Uh, so, meaning that people are expecting a recession to 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 happen, um, and also I think uh, the um, other parts of the world actually may have a deeper problem than, than the U.S. So, and that may also cause some problems for the U.S. as well. So, I think that, that is a clearly a risk. John, markets are expecting rates to get uh, um, around 5% in the first quarter of next year. Larry Summers is saying um, we've got to expect at least 6%. If we get to 6%, what impact does that have on the Hong Kong economy? Um, well, I think I think everyone will be, uh, be suffering. Um, <laughs> Uh, clearly, um, you know, mortgage mortgage rates and and so on are um, are going to um, uh, you know are going to have a profound effect on people's disposable in- income as well as uh, you know the home prices. Um, so that's again, I think I think people are trying to second guess the Fed too much. Um, as far as I can see, you know, they've guided to five to five and a half. Um, 
and you know with with a little wiggle room within that and and uh, i think we'll just go steadily up there so 50 basis points uh next week is it and um you know maybe maybe 50 or 25 or two lots of 25 early in the in the first quarter um and then then we'll see what um you know how how things are, are playing out so i think it's it's um you know it's pointless really to 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 speculate um against that okay i want to turn our attention to um china and the mainland in particular um last week vice premier sun chunlan who's china's top official in charge of the fight against covid said uh, the country's efforts to combat the virus are entering a new phase um, officials seem to have stopped mentioning altogether now um, dynamic zero COVID when well, we have got the Politburo meeting coming up in the next few days. So it's going to be interesting to see if they also drop that uh, phrase as well. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that uh, a massive vaccination is coming for the elderly to try and get 90% um, of people inoculated. And we're seeing cities now dropping their uh, testing requirements. So what do you think? Is the dynamic uh, zero COVID policy, is it to all intents and purposes now um, over, Alex? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, they they would put more emphasis on the economy side right now uh, because um, that triggered a lot of reactions in the, in, uh, among the people. So I think that's why they are changing their, their, their policy stance. So very likely we could see further relaxations towards um, these uh, um, COVID restrictions. So if that's the case, this is a major change, isn't it, with implications for both the economy and the markets? I think the market actually price in already. So we have seen a very nice rally in the Hong Kong and China equities, especially uh, on the um, retail and, and travel side. Uh, so we are likely to see, we, we probably may not see too much reactions from here. John, is it over? Is zero COVID over now on the mainland? Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a, a turning point. Uh, I think the real issue is how how quickly we're going to move into opening up. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's, so we've got the we've got the complete show, the, the acknowledgement that the Omicron variant is is not nearly as uh, as powerful as as others, um, and or harmful and. Um, and so, um, you know, we're, they're going to start. I mean, I'm very surprised. Finally, that we've got having a vaccination drive, and, and that's been one of the things that's been holding, holding, uh, holding things back uh, for quite some time. So that that's all good news. So we're going the right direction, in other words. But I'm I'm wondering at what point we're going to start to open the, open the borders. Um, I mean, you know, the situation here is we seem to be now stuck. We've got. We've gone as far as we're willing to do without um, uh, without opening up completely to incoming uh, tourism and, and business people and so on, and um, so that's going to be, I think, opening the borders and, and getting uh, trade flows, business, you know, business people moving backwards, forwards, tourism, and and so on back to normal. That's going to be the key, and uh, I've no idea how long that will take. Alex, the, the risk, of course, here is, isn't it, that as um, these restrictions are relaxed and, and China starts to reopen, we're going to get a surge in COVID cases. 
uh, a surge in deaths as well. Um, what's the risk that China then backs pedals on this policy change? Of course, uh, this uh, is the risk of a uh, uh, surge in the in, strong surge in the cases number. Uh, but I think uh, people they probably turn their attention into hosp- hospitalization rates, probably and the death rate. Mm. So very likely we see the change in the measuring matrix. Mm. So what's what's the impact on on the economy? How long is it going to take um, for the economy to start to benefit um, from from this opening up? I think uh, first of all, uh, uh, for tourism, actually, this is uh, this uh, still is a variable because uh, we we have seen in Hong Kong actually this encourage more Hong Kong people to go out rather than attracting people to come in. So I think uh, we need to see what the policy change for the for the for the travel side, but for the manufacturing, uh, probably it will help a, a lot because uh, right now we are seeing the impact already. Uh, Apple are trying to 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 diversify its its manufacturing base because of this. So very likely we will see some um, encouragement for 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 foreign enterprises to 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 still use uh, China as a major manufacturing base. The problem is, John, manufacturing orders, U.S. manufacturing orders in China are down about 40 percent um, now, according to the latest uh, data. Um, so how long do you think it's going to take for the economy to start to recover um, from this? Um, well, I don't anticipate some some, some recovery. Um, you know, just that that fall is, uh, is a, an ex- an extreme one and um, we're bound to see some some uh, some resetting um but you know the long-term trend towards from a western point of view diversifying their their sources uh and supply chains um i think is is here for for good so how um you know how that will play out in, in terms of the relative share of manufacturing uh and growth over over the next you know decade i suppose um, r- remains to be seen, but um, I don't think. Again, we're not going to see a roaring, um, a roaring growth uh, come back in China. Not to mention, you know, the other other issues like like the property, uh, the property crisis, and and so on will hold back. So I think generally uh, we're getting we're moving into the transition phase where we're getting back to normal, but it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be very dramatic. Alex, what does this all mean uh, for for the local markets? We're likely to have a period now of confusion and chaos about whether restrictions are being relaxed or not. Sometimes they might come back a little bit as well. Uh, We're going to have potentially a lot of pressure on the healthcare system. Um, What's it mean for the markets going forward from here? I think we are still seeing the extension of a bear market rebound. So we are likely to see further, further, further strength here because um, the the relaxations actually would come eventually. So this is just a timing matter. So I think the people are quite excited about that. Mm. And then uh, we are seeing many policies helping the uh, troubled uh, policy sectors in China as well. And then that is helping the old economy side. Uh, and also China is likely to boost um, the valuation of the uh, state-owned enterprises. So I think uh, we are going to see uh, some good periods in the Hong Kong market. But uh, eventually, I don't think uh, we we, are, we have uh, seen a very big change in fundamentals. Um, the property market may not be too strong and the uh, um, regulations on the tech sector actually will still remain strict. So I think uh, we probably may see some, some further strength, but I would not be very bullish um, uh, in the end. You, you called this a bear market rebound. So does that mean you think that the Hong Kong market hasn't yet seen its low for this cycle? 
Oh, I think uh, it is it is too early to tell. But I think we probably uh, would enter into a phase of uh, very huge uh, range trading. So we probably may see further strength. But uh, uh, if anything negative news happened, I think the the the, the fallback could be quite fast. John, what are your thoughts? We're going to have a confusing time, aren't we, going forward? Presumably a lot of volatility to yes. go with it in the markets. Yes, I think that's right. I mean, we may not see that. Well, I think there might be a bit more upside in the, in the very short term, as, as Alex said. Um, but it's really the sort of V-shaped reversal from the extreme pessimism. Now we're getting, you know, quite strong optimism, which I, I think is probably a little a little overdone and then at some point we'll settle back the volatility will decline and, and the market will go more into a trading range and consolidation and then we'll you know we'll have to look at the the fundamental situation for you know sector by sector and even uh, company by company okay well thank you both very much have a great day that's john schofield Managing Director at tempest investments alex wong who's director at alex ky wong asset management Five six seven AM Radio Three. Do you like great music from the sixties, the seventies, the eighties? Don't believe me, just hey, hey. And right up to today. Do you like good music? We've got something for you from every era. This is James Ross with the greatest hits of music. Something for Saturday evening. Join me after the six o'clock news right here on Radio 3. Time's 8.24 on the phone from Shanghai is independence economist Andy Sher. Morning, Andy. Good morning, Peter. Um, so I want to ask you about the COVID situation up there. We're seeing now uh, Sun Chen Lan talking about uh, the fight against COVID entering a new phase. This phase, dynamic zero COVID, seems to have been dropped altogether um, by the authorities. So what are your thoughts? Do you think the zero COVID policy is now at an end? Well, I, 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 uh, I see uh, there's some sort of pivot but uh, uh, it's not clear where, uh, to where uh, Beijing is sounding like uh, 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 it's not so strict anymore. But uh, local governments are interpreting it in their own way. So now China is back to every local government making its rules. Some local governments are genuinely loosening up some, uh, somewhat. Uh, some governments are not. Like in Shanghai, uh, the government says that uh, uh, you don't need to show your health care code, uh, health, health code when you get on public transport. But if you get into a shopping mall or supermarket, you need to show 48-hour PCR test. That means that the, the rules are being tightened. It used to be 72 hours. And, uh, and the lockdowns continue for buildings with only one case of close contact. So uh, I think that now we, we, we have different policies everywhere. So it sounds like from what you're saying, um, the situation is still rather chaotic and confusing up on the mainland as to what exactly um, the, the zero COVID policy means. Yeah, if Beijing is not saying that uh, what you cannot do, what you, uh, what you can. So it's up to everybody. And so uh, if, as uh, the leader of a local government, you are betting your political future. You are betting your political future on this decision.
Mm. You don't know what Beijing wants, right? If you have ten、uh, thousand cases, and、uh, if you have a、uh, thousand、uh, people showing up at the hospital, you don't know what Beijing is going, how Beijing is going to react.、Mm. So, what do you do? So, I mean, as this、um, situation relaxes, the risk, of course, is that there's going to be a surge in cases on the mainland because the vaccination rate amongst the elderly is still quite low. The risk of maybe a growing number of deaths. What will Beijing do there? Do you think it will then backpedal on its pandemic policy change, or do you think it will stick with it? So it, 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 that's the problem.、Uh, there, there's internal,、uh, there's inherent contradiction within this、uh, in this pivot.、Uh, local government officials understand that you cannot move from zero COVID to、uh, Sweden minus uh, uh, vaccine. Mm. Uh, only in the stock market, people believe story, believe a story like that. So you no, know, it's going to be complicated、uh, going forward. In、uh, in in、uh, the unless Beijing initiates a, a vaccine campaign, at least for the elderly population. Otherwise, it's going to be really complicated. Well, the Wall Street Journal was reporting on on Friday that that's exactly what Beijing is going to do. It's trying to go and get、um, an elderly vaccination rate of about ninety percent.、Um, that's going to be pretty tough, isn't it? But the issue is that a local、uh, vaccine is not so effective,、uh, and people know that.、Mm. So, so,、uh, so, so, so you 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 can go through the motion, say, hey, everybody get a、uh, get a shot. People know this doesn't work. Mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if if it, it it worked, if it works, you have done. You would have、uh, done this a long time ago. Well, that's why the, the government always resort resort to zero COVID because it knew that the vaccine didn't work. So in effect, the you know China's wasted, according to the European Chamber of Commerce, at least a year in which it could have got the、uh, the population more vaccinated and developed、uh, stronger healthcare facilities. Would you would you agree with that? Well, the issue is that、uh, do you import or、uh, import the vaccine、uh, or not? You know, there are there are many choices. There are lots of data to 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 uh, to to uh, to uh, tell you、uh, how effective each one is and what are, what are the side effects. So the issue is、uh, for China is that what、uh, does China、uh, buckle and import a, a vaccine? And the the Beijing is not making decisions. So we we in a way we are still in a limbo.、Mm. So a group of economists、uh, are calling for the resumption of economic activities, saying that should be the country's、uh, top priority. What what do you think of the latest sort of relaxation? Do you think that's going to help boost the economy? Ah,、uh, I, I I seriously doubt it. You you you, you, you know people do show up more in uh, in a coffee shop and restaurant. Uh, 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 that that is possible, but、uh, the, I I do not believe that the,、uh, the economy is just just going to bounce back. Uh, the, uh, people have lost income in the past three years.、Mm. You can look at、uh, people's deposits. So so it's not so easy that、uh, for people to go back to having a good time. The second is that the property market. The property market is a bubble that has gone burst. And、uh, and and it was uh, uh, going at twenty percent of GDP in terms of market value,、uh, and, and now it's basically totally collapsed. And the local governments have、uh, this huge deficit, uh, uh, like a, a trillion U.S. dollars, because that they are not getting money from land sales.、Mm-hmm. Uh, that problem is not going away. So it's not just COVID.、Mm-hmm. Okay, Andy. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed、uh, for that. That's independent-based economist up in Shanghai, Andy Sher.
You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And let me give you a final update on the markets. In Australia, the SX200 up a quarter of a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is looking pretty flat, as is the Cosby uh, in South Korea as well. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to rebound close to 500 points or so at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Bank chats coming up after the news with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy. Cool in the morning and at night. Enjoy with sunny periods in the afternoon. Maximum temperature is about 20 degrees and then mainly fine in the next few days. Temperature right now, 17 degrees, 72% relative humidity. Times 8.31. Here's Ben Shea with the Half Hour News. A medical professor is recommending people get another COVID vaccine dose if the last jab was several months ago. Vijay Dhanasekaran, an associate professor from the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health, said Hong Kong was witnessing a seasonal surge in case numbers. He said this was expected as social interactions increased and improved vaccination rates meant more asymptomatic cases in the community. But he said hospital admissions were not shooting up. This is not due to any novel variant. These are just the regular variants which have been evolving, acquiring some mutations and escaping some immunity, which we acquired from the first type of vaccine, especially based on the earliest variants that have been circulating. Based on this, we have now seen the upgrade of a new vaccine, the bivalent vaccine. And really, I think the best time, really the position in Hong Kong is really clear that the cases are rising, but it's not burdensome. Three Taikonauts have returned to Earth, completing a six-month mission to complete the construction of the Tiangong space station. The Shenzhou-14's return capsule touched down at the Dongfeng landing site in Inner Mongolia last night. Todd Harding reports. The capsule touched down safely at the Dongfeng landing site in the Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region shortly after 8 p.m. Commander Chen Dong and teammates Liu Yang and Tsai Suzhe all said they were feeling well after landing. Work at the Tiangong space station has been taken over by the crew of Sunjo 15, marking the space station's first crew rotation. During their mission, the three Taikonauts performed three spacewalks, beamed down a live science lecture from the station, and conducted a range of experiments. The European Commission president says the EU must simplify and adapt its rules on state aid in response to Washington's massive green energy subsidy package. The plan has soured transatlantic ties, raising fears of a trade war. Ursula von der Leyen said the EU must act to address distortions created by Washington's nearly half a trillion US dollar plan to spur climate-friendly technologies. She said that properly handled, competition could spur new green solutions. Together, the United States and the European Union, we can make clean energy more affordable worldwide if we work together. But this competition must respect a level playing field. And that's why it is so critical that the technology competition between the European Union and the United States is a race to the top for our industries on both sides of the Atlantic. Iran's attorney general says the group of religious police who enforce the Islamic dress code have been disbanded. Mohammad Jafar Montazeri's comments follow months of protests triggered by the death of a young woman in their custody. The BBC's Siavash Ardalan reports. This is a potentially significant development as it makes the protesters feel like they have made an impact and forced the government to retreat. However, the announcement comes with many caveats. 
Firstly, that it wasn't even an announcement, rather an offhand remark by Iran's Attorney General, who is not part of the decision-making process on this issue. Secondly, the morality police effectively vanished after the death of Mahsa Amini in his custody, so nothing has changed on the ground. Thirdly, disbanding the morality police is one thing. Abolishing the law requiring women to wear a headscarf, which the morality police enforce, is another. You're listening to the news on RTHK.